Good morning, Community Church. It's so wonderful to gather here with you today. We are online, but we are together. And thank you, worship team, for, for leading us so beautifully this morning. And thank you, Shine Kids. Thank you for your contribution. I love what I heard. And also thank you, Lisa and Bartek, for leading us in prayer. This week is our second week of our Lent sermon series. So we are looking at the seven I am statements of Jesus. Last week, Pastor Wade preached on Jesus, the bread of life, that the life of the new age comes to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Today, we are looking at Jesus, the light of the world. Then, Jesus spoke out again. I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees objected. You testify about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, Even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true because I know where I came from and where I am going. But you people do not know where I came from or where I am going. You people judge by outward appearances. I do not judge anyone. But if I judge, my evaluation is accurate because I am not alone when I judge. But I and the Father who sent me do so together. It is written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I testify about myself and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Then they began asking him, Who is your father? Jesus answered, You do not know either me or my father. If you knew me, you would know my father too. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you for your word, your word made flesh, that you would dwell amongst us, that you would show us what it's like when you are in our midst. Open our eyes so that we may see. Be thou our vision. Amen. Now, who loves a good celebration? What is the longest and grandest and the most memorable celebration you have been to? Let me share one with you, one that I've experienced. So I, well, I was still a student in England many years ago. My two friends and I, we decided to backpack. So we went down one side of Spain and then hopped onto Morocco. And so we're in Morocco on a train. And the three of us sitting in a carriage with one other gentleman. And this gentleman begins to chat, I mean, begins to talk to us and tells us that he works for a lonely planet. Do you know what that is? You know, it was a very popular travel guide before the days of, I don't know, Google and GPS. And then he says, my sister is getting, is getting married tomorrow. Why don't you come and join us at the wedding ceremony? And being young and adventurous, you know, we said, of course, okay, tell us where. And we arrived at the venue the next day. The place was packed with people, people, people eating, people singing, people dancing, you know, just loud and noisy and boisterous, but lots and lots of fun. And you know what? People came up to us, grabbed us, and just grabbed us onto the dance floor, and we just started to dance. We started dancing in the late afternoon. 
I mean, we ate some and then we danced. And we ate some and we danced. And you know what? At 11 p.m., we were still dancing. But at this time, we were, so we were exhausted. And so we asked our host, hey, how long is this, how long does the, does the celebration last? And he said, oh, at least till 6 a.m. in the morning. And then he added, but you know, when I was growing up, we celebrated for seven days. And I thought to myself, I'm glad times have changed. I cannot imagine dancing for seven days. But did you know that Jesus grew up attending a celebration every year that went on for seven, eight days? People all over, all over would make their way to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. It was the biggest, the grandest, the holiest festival for the Jews, and nobody wanted to miss it. Now, this festival is called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Tents or Booth, Sukkot. The reason for this feast was for Israel to remember God's providence and protection when their ancestors wandered in the desert for 40 years, when they lived in makeshift tents. So to commemorate that, people attending the feast would, would live in tents for the whole week, camping. See, even today, many Jews still make a tent when celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. Let me show you some pictures. Here is a modern rendition of a tent. So you can see uh, the outside view and what it looks like inside. And this is courtesy of Ori, Ori Pori who is a member of our community and who's from Israel, and he grew up celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. So what did people do at the feast during the time of Jesus? So throughout the week, again, music, dancing, harps, cymbals, trumpets, singing, singing the Psalms, reciting scripture, reciting Psalm like Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation and also reciting the divine name, I am, I am. The festival, now the scale of the festival. So the, the festival involved more than 7,000 priests and more sacrifices were made at this festival than any other festivals. What does that mean? It means lots of food, lots of meat. And get this, okay, this is very important for, for our purpose today. There were four giant candlesticks in the, in the court of women, each 75 feet high. Now, I am 5'3", so you can imagine what 75 is like. Let me show you a picture here. So this is the court of women that you see, and the two red circles, and those are the candlesticks that, 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 are, that you probably can't see very clearly. But... Okay, you see two here, but you have four in the court. So these giant candlesticks, they burned all night long. And they were so bright that the whole city would, would be lit up like it was daytime. These bright lights reminded them that when their ancestors were journeying through the wilderness at night, God was with them and God guided them. See? 
In those days, you don't have maps or torchlights or flashlights, depending on where you're from. No GPS. You don't know what you could be tripping over. You, you're just groping around. You can't see the obstacles. But God went before them in the pillar of fire to give them light. Now the Lord was going before them by day in the pillar of cloud to lead them in the way, and by night in the pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel day or night. When the pillar of fire moved, they moved. When the pillar of fire stopped, they stopped. And other than commemorating the past, this feast also looked forward to the future when God would send a light to renew and restore everything. When God would again tabernacle with His people. And so, back to the court here, these candles that were, that were lit night after night during the festival, on the last day of the festival, these candles were lightly extinguished. And right there, what you see at the court, this is where Jesus, a man, flesh and blood, like us, this is when he proclaims, standing right there at the court, where, surrounded by all the extinguished candles. I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What audacity. No wonder he gets into so much trouble. I am the light of the world, world not just in Jerusalem. And if you follow me, you will never walk in darkness. Never. He's the eternal light of the world, unlike the light on those candlesticks that would be extinguished year after year. Jesus, are you saying that you are greater than the sacred temple? Are you implying that you are the same light that led our ancestors through the wilderness? That you are the very real presence of Yahweh? That I am is in our midst. John 1, 14, the, world, the Word became flesh and took up residence, also called tabernacle, among us. God has come to us to be with us. And He says, follow me and you will not walk in darkness. Follow me and you will not walk in darkness. Hmm. Is that true? There's darkness everywhere. We live in such dark times. Jesus, what are you talking about? Follow me and you will not walk in darkness. It's not. Follow me and there is no more darkness. At least not until the new heaven and new earth. It is not. Follow me and there is no more pain. It is not. Follow me and you will have a smooth and happy life. It is not, follow me and there will be no more uncertainties. Or, follow me and you will be popular. Jesus says, follow me and you will not walk in darkness. The light of Jesus shines in the midst of darkness. The world is in bondage of, to darkness and falsehood. 
Just turn on the news, and what do you see? What do you read about? What do you hear? There is darkness everywhere. There is darkness in the human hearts, including ours. But the light has dawned, and the light shines in the darkness. How? The light of Jesus pierces, reveals, and heals. The light pierces the darkness and reveals things that are hidden and not right. The spiritual bankruptcy of nations, of institutions, and of individuals. The hardness of hearts and blindness of those who claim to know God. The Pharisees were supposed to know God, and yet they did not recognize Him when He came into their midst, doing the things that God does: healing and feeding, acts of kindness, of compassion, of deliverance, and showing mercy. Who are you? Who is your father? They asked. And instead of rejoicing when Jesus healed a man who was paralyzed for thirty-eight years, John chapter. Five, the Jewish leaders said, "How dare you not follow the rules? How dare you heal on the Sabbath? Where is the compassion? Where is the mercy?" The Jewish leaders were blind, but they did not know that. The light shines in the darkness. Of the paralyzed man's world, as Jesus healed him, the light shines into the hardness of hearts of the Jewish leaders, revealing things hidden under a veneer of godliness and respectability. God sees the deepest, darkest places in our hearts. The manipulation of people and things, the motives, the motives we have here, and also the wounds that make us behave in those ways. And God wants His light to shine into those dark places. He wants to heal us. But the process can be painful. I don't know about you. But I don't like it when I'm forced to reckon with something in here that's ugly and dark. It's uncomfortable. It's not nice. It's painful. Maybe it's a little bit like this. You're in a dark room. You've been in a dark room for a long time. Somebody comes in, turn on the light, and go, "Ouch! My eyes hurt. Turn that off. Turn that off." But healing begins when we let the light shine into those dark and secret places. Follow me, and you will not walk in darkness," says Jesus. But take note: not everyone welcomes the light. John says in chapter three, "For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, so that their deeds will not be exposed." People do not like to be exposed. We don't like to be exposed. Satan does not like darkness to be exposed, for he loves to keep people and systems and institutions and nations in the dark, in bondage to him, the father of lies. And the greater the light shines in the darkness, the more things will be revealed: greed, self-righteousness, self-centeredness, self-servingness, hate, anger, bitterness, jealousy, 
injustice, oppression. The greater the light shines in the darkness, the greater the opposition. People wanted to kill Jesus. As followers of Christ, as his light in the world, we too may face opposition as we reflect and radiate the same light into the world. But he says to us in John chapter 16, verse 33, In the world you have trouble and suffering, but take courage. I have conquered the world. Follow me and you will never walk in darkness. And finally, the light of Jesus Christ is grace and truth in our midst. In the very beginning, John tells us that the word became flesh and took up residence, tabernacle among us. The glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth, who came from the Father. When God is in our midst, grace and truth is in our midst. There is an account of a woman caught in adultery in the Gospel of John in chapter 8, just before our passage today. Some people don't think that it's placed in the right place, but still is a great illustration of grace and truth. The Pharisees brought this woman to Jesus in the court of the women, and they tried to trap him. They asked him, stone her or not stone her? Jesus now just picture this, you know, you have these bloodthirsty people using this poor woman as a means to get to their end in the name of God. It's not about the woman at all. It's about their own interests. Can you imagine how she must be feeling? Exposed, shamed, and at the complete mercy of the mob. And what did Jesus say to her? He didn't say, he did not say, you are not guilty. He did not say, it's okay, it's not a big deal. Jesus says to her, I don't condemn you, grace. But he also says, go and live that life of sin, truth. This story has a great significance for us all. When we chase after other gods, when we become unfaithful to the God who commands our absolute loyalty, when the good things in our lives become the ultimate things, we call them idols. He says to us, I do not condemn you. But he also says, I know you could not live this life of sin, no matter how hard you try. And I, and so I took it upon myself on the cross. And I have overcome the world. Abide in me, and the life of sin will have no hold over you. There is no other way. This is truth. Trust me absolutely, and do not be afraid of the darkness around you. He says, do not be afraid of the harsh realities of the wilderness, for I am with you. I am the pillar of fire in your darkness. You move only when I move. You stay only when I stay. For my light shines brightly in the darkness. Follow me and you will never walk in darkness. 
but will have the light of life. Let us pray. God of heaven and earth, our maker, thank you for your great love for us, that you would come and dwell with us, that you would come in the person of Jesus Christ to show us what you are like. And you call us to be like you. But not only did you show us, but in and through the work on the cross, you enable us to become like you and to share in your glory. There is no greater love. Help us also to love like you. Strengthen us, your church, to bear your light in a world filled with darkness, hope and despair. Protect us from the schemes of the enemy and may we keep you in the center of everything. For you are our light. Amen.